And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in News Talk 5.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank r and Company, Location South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car expert. Also, you can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Got a lot of stuff to get to today. We're going to get to the Democrats coming for your credit report. Uh, well, not your report per se, but your credit score. And they're also coming for your text messages. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, we'll also get into some additional news items, obviously, throughout the rest of the show. Some doozies as well, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a very, very busy news cycle, so we'll get to a lot of very interesting stuff. Uh, we got to start off with Michigan. For the second time, the Michigan Supreme Court has ordered the State Board of Canvassers to certify the Unlock Michigan petition, which will likely revoke Governor Whitmer's 1945 emergency powers. Now, on June 11th, the top court ordered the state board officers to certify the petition after the board deadlocked two to two on multiple motions. But keep Michigan safe, lawyer Mark Brewer held a motion asking the top court to reconsider the order. And the top court answered again, ordering the petition to be certified. So, just so we're, we're crystal clear here, uh, we have had the Michigan Supreme Court slap Gretchen Whitmer down three times. Two times on this issue, once previously. Uh, so this is, you know, this is obviously important stuff, but, you know, the Michigan Supreme Court, they made a ruling, and then the lawyer for the, the activist group, they, they file a motion and have the court basically hear the case again. They reconsider it, and they do the same thing. you got to certify that petition. The Bureau of Elections analyzed the signatures using a random sampling method and estimated that Unlock Michigan submitted at least... 460,000 signatures when it only needed about 340,000, according to the Supreme Court. The board rejected, by deadlocked vote, a motion to investigate the collection of signatures. Therefore, the board has a clear legal duty to certify the petition. And again, they're trying to say that the number of signatures um, doesn't meet the minimum requirement. So they're required to get 340,000 signatures. They got 460,000. What Gretchen Whitmer's side is basically saying through this this group, Keep Michigan Safe, what they're basically saying is we don't believe that those are valid signatures and we don't believe that they have enough valid signatures to meet the 340,000 signature benchmark. So when you do these petitions, you always collect more signatures than you need because inevitably there's going to be some that get rejected. Um, people who can't legally do this, you know, various other things that, that go on there, uh, people who duplicate their names on it, that sort of stuff. So you have to account for that. They more than accounted for it. I mean, they have 120,000 additional signatures than what is required. So they gave themselves a lot of extra breathing room, way beyond what you typically see in a petition. So the argument that they don't have enough legitimate signatures to meet the 340,000 mark, um, that argument is, is ludicrous. And it's also quite interesting considering that the Democrats are suddenly really concerned about verifying the identity of people who are involved in, in the election process. <laughs> I should say the political process, because technically this is kind of an aside for an elections, but it isn't really devoted specifically to elections. And suddenly they want to match signatures. Isn't that weird? Didn't want to match signatures in the, in the presidential election here, but now all, all of a sudden they want to match signatures. So again, you pick and choose when the rules apply to you and when they don't. The Unlock Michigan petition, which was filed in October of 2020, dates back to the early COVID-19 pandemic when Governor Whitmer enacted the most severe restrictions in the 12 Midwest states via 1945 pandemic powers uh, the petition aims to annihilate. Now, 
friendly reminder that she used two two powers that were given to the governor. She used them simultaneously to give herself revolving, unexpiring power. And they were never designed to do that. When she used the 1945 powers, she broke the law. The Michigan Supreme Court said she broke the law. We go through this whole petition process here. Of course, she never relinquished her powers. She never did any of that. She basically went to to uh, you know her health people who she hired and and she said, "You just do what I told everybody to do." And then they did it. And of course, you know at that point, basically nothing changed. She got caught breaking the law. She got called out for breaking the law. The Supreme Court ruled against her, and then she just sidestepped it. So then we had this petition process. And as the petition process goes forward, Supreme Court keeps saying, you've got to certify this petition, just like they had to certify the recall petition and everything else. So this this is just another example of the Michigan Supreme Court slapping her administration down. And this has continued to be an issue throughout the entire pandemic, even though it's already been exposed that she was breaking the law by using these two laws simultaneously. And basically one law kicks in the other law and then that kicks in the other law. And she just continues to give herself power, completely bypassing the legislature. The legislature has not been able to rein that in. As a result, the legal process has gone forward and the Supreme Court in the state of Michigan has ruled against Whitmer in every single circumstance. So anyway, uh, the article continues. Those far-reaching orders included threatening criminal charges for operating a motorboat, unless, of course, you're the the husband of Governor Whitmer, visiting a secondary home, of course, unless you're the husband of Governor Whitmer, and banning stores larger than 50,000 square feet from selling gardening supplies. Remember that one? You can't get any food or anything, but you're not allowed to get gardening supplies. That was a big one. Uh, Entire professions, including barbers and landscapers, were deemed non-essential. Now, landscapers are deemed non-essential, yet the governor's husband went up to their vacation home to do air quote, landscaping. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. So, unlike Michigan spokesman Fred uh, Wizzlick, hope I got that right, I apologize, Uh, he also commented on the ruling. He said the Board of State Canvassers needs to do its job on Tuesday and certify the Unlock Michigan petition. Finally, over half a million Michigan voters demanded the repeal of the Emergency Powers Act abused by Governor Whitmer for so long, and now their demand will be satisfied. So the next Board of State Canvassers meeting today was at 10 a.m., town hall. So it took all this time. All of this time is what it took. But finally, progress in the state of Michigan. Unfortunately, for those of you on the Michigan side of the border, we escaped literally in the nick of time. I mean, like six months we missed this because my family was in Niles, Michigan. So six months, we missed it. But for those of you who have been stuck behind enemy lines, this has been a rough go of it. And, and I'll be, look, I'll be perfectly honest, you know, your legislature has failed you. And I know that there's some people in the Michigan legislature who listen to this show, and they're fans of the show, and, and they're good people. And I know that some of them have been trying desperately to fight this, but by and large, the legislature itself as a body has failed the people of Michigan. They have continued to allow Gretchen Whitmer to run roughshod over everybody. You had over 20, was it 22 or 23 at the last count recall efforts, and they all like conveniently and mysteriously fell apart? It doesn't make any sense. There's just a bunch of weird mob-like tactics happening in the state of Michigan. And the legislature's job was to protect the citizens from a tyrant. They didn't.
Now, hopefully going forward with some of the things that they are proposing and, and working through the legislative process, hopefully going forward, they will solidify their position so that way they don't run into this type of issue in the future. And we don't have to worry about another tyrant, you know, getting into the governor's mansion in the state of Michigan and doing what Gretchen has done. And there is there's no denying this here. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or you like Gretchen Whitmer or whatever, even though her own party doesn't like her that much. The reality of the situation is she abused her authority. It was undeniable so, so that the court has ruled against her in every circumstance. And she sidestepped the legislature that just wanted to be partners throughout this entire process to make sure that everybody was protected. She chose not to do that. She chose to give herself totalitarian, dictatorial, universal control over the pandemic. An inexperienced governor who had to look to the state of New York to get ideas on what to do. Those ideas now have caused a federal investigation into the state of Michigan because this Michigan has continued to break laws when it comes to the pandemic. Not just this stuff, not reporting an accurate account of, of nursing home deaths, uh, putting sick people inside of nursing homes, including young people inside of nursing homes, and causing nursing home deaths to skyrocket and then hiding it and covering it all up. So there's a whole host of problems in the state of Michigan. And finally, it looks like there's a little speck of light poking through the rubble here. And hopefully the uh, the process going forward will be, well, a little bit more constitutional. But again, you have to you have to hold that with a grain of salt because we are dealing with a tyrant after all in the state of Michigan. And I don't use that word lightly because most people are not tyrants. A lot of people are they have totalitarian tendencies. Gretchen Whitmer is as close to a dictator as you can get at the state level. We've got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, check us out online, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Again, it is totally free. Help support the show where we do our live streaming every single day. And that is going to be our permanent home going forward. You can also watch the live stream on my website at theburningtruth.us if you want. Uh, you can't engage in, in the live chats or anything like that from the website. Uh, but if you go to rumble.com, you have live chat and you have commenting. So you can choose which one you prefer. Uh, so now let's let's give you an update fiasco in Michigan. So the Supreme Court basically, again, you've got to certify this petition to revoke the powers that Governor Whitmer has been abusing. Uh, so this is the Detroit Free Press. I went through MLive just for the heck of it. And MLive is not bringing the story. So I did that. Detroit Free Press is MLive. Not, not really a big surprise, but I, I digress. A law that Governor Gretchen Whitmer used extensively to address coronavirus pandemic could be repealed as early as next week after the Board of State Canvassers certified a petition drive this morning. That was the 10 a.m. meeting this morning. The board voted three to zero with one of two Democratic board members absent to certify the Unlock Michigan petition to repeal the emergency powers uh, of Governor Act of 1945. So... Again, they were previously deadlocked at two to two. Uh, they went back to uh, they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said certify the thing. Uh, the attorney for the opposite side said, no, please, we don't want to certify it. Can you reconsider? And the Michigan Supreme Court looked at it again and said, yep, we were right the first time. Certify it. 
So now it went back to the board this morning. They certified it three to zero. Uh, one of the Democrats voted, one did not. No big surprises there. Democrats seem to be running away from their responsibilities as of late. Uh, see Texas. Oh man, Texas is an interesting one. Now, this is, this is where things get a little interesting because what you may or may not have known is that Kamala Harris is out there about Whitmer too. So Kamala Harris said that she and Biden stand behind Governor Whitmer during a stump speech at a fundraiser for the Democratic governor's re-election campaign in Detroit. Now, that was yesterday. Okay. Harris addressed a crowd of roughly 40 people at the TCF Center. Wait, 40 people? Hold on a second. I'm giving a speech tonight. I'm going to have more people in the crowd than, than that. 40 people? Is it? Anyway, Harris addressed a crowd of roughly 40 people at the TCF Center in Detroit during her first visit to Michigan since taking office. The, the, uh, the alleged VP also held events focused on encouraging vaccination and voting rights efforts, yada, yada, yada. Um, so anyway, so, so she went out there and she's, she praised Whitmer. Now, this is, this is what she said, okay? She says, Whitmer puts what's right ahead of what's popular. And, and what's legal. So again, we just, let's ask a couple of basic questions since we're talking about putting what's right ahead of what's popular. All right, let's, let's start with that. Was it right to put sick people inside of elder care facilities and nursing homes in direct contradiction to the CDC guidance? Was that, was that right? Which led to all those senior citizen deaths? Was that right, Kamala? Hmm? Was it right to then lie about doing that and blame it on one of your your uh, administration officials? When in fact it was you who approved the idea, but you denied it. You denied that you approved the idea. You lied about it. You said you had nothing to do with it. It was somebody else. It had nothing to do with you whatsoever. We have emails now that prove that that was a lie. Was that the right thing to do? Was it the right thing to do for her husband to violate the travel ban after threatening to throw people in jail and, and go up to their guest house? Was it the right thing to do for him to try to get his boat in the water earlier than, than, than uh, what was supposed to have happened? It was, was, was that right? Was it right for her to go to a restaurant when nobody else could and have more people sitting down at that restaurant at a table than what is legally allowed in Michigan? Was it the right thing to do? Uh, we, can, we can do this over and over again. Was it the right thing to do to not accurately count the number of nursing home COVID deaths? Was it the right thing to do to deny literally every single FOIA request on this issue until the courts had to intervene and get involved? Was that the right thing to do, Kamala? Do we need to play this game all day? No, of course we don't, because it's tribalism. You know, Democrats in the Democratic Party stood up to Whitmer and said, what you're doing is wrong with these nursing homes. It doesn't make any sense. You're putting people in danger. They were the ones who were right. They were the ones who were standing up for their constituents rather than putting party loyalty above the safety and welfare of the people. And those Democrats got no accolades in the media at all. They got disappeared. Nobody heard from them after that. You know, they had the one article that, that popped up and said, these Democrats here are questioning Whitmer's judgment on throwing sick people in nursing homes. And then they just vanished. You didn't hear anything about them. I'm not saying that they were, they were Epstein. Or anything like that. I'm, not, I'm just saying that they, they were basically silenced. Was it the right thing to shut down 22 recall, recall petitions? 
for questionable reasons? Was that the right thing to do? Was it the right thing to do to not certify petitions that had the legal signatures to be certified? Was that the right thing to do too? This is what happens when you, when you deal with this tribalist mindset that the other side is evil and therefore whatever evil my side does is justified. That's not okay. Oh, speaking of, of insane local stuff, I don't want to spend any time on this. It just it happened yesterday. I didn't get a chance to mention it. Five people here in town were accidentally given five to six doses of the COVID vaccine at a county clinic in St. Joseph County. Hey, good luck with that. <laughs> okay. Do you ever need a booster shot if you've had five to six doses? I don't think that you do, even though they're pushing for booster shots now. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. They're tuning in. It is currently 3.40. And in just a few hours, you got the Major League Baseball All-Star Game kicking off. If you haven't done so already, pick up your phone, open up that Barstool Sportsbook app, and get your bet in now. All right. We have, well, <laughs> okay. I've got, here's some of, just some of the stuff I have coming up today, okay? I've got new um, fraudulent ballots that have been found in the state of Georgia. Talk about that. I've got a library having to apologize because they hosted a sexually graphic character to entertain kids at a kids event. We've got vaccine news. We've got uh, Democrats celebrating Cuba and everything else. So just uh, very interesting stuff today. Got tons to get to. Not going to get to all of it. I have a couple of updates on critical race theory, too, that we'll get to as well. All right, so let's let's take a look at this. I've been talking about this for a number of years now. Um, we we have academia. Academia has made being an education in minority communities uh, a racist thing, and there's a cultural component to that in the black community as well. And you know, again, you hear a lot of people in the black community talk about that. Um, people who, you know, were were civil rights people who were the the anti-Jesse Jackson, the anti-Al Sharpton. You know, people actually made a difference in their community. They've been talking about this for decades. Um, if you look at some of the stuff that Candace Owens has done, she has talked about how getting an education is frowned upon in, in a lot of communities, uh, particularly in the black community. And, you know, if you speak with proper vernacular, um, you know, you've you whitewashed yourself and that sort of thing. So there's all these things that just happen, which... Again, you know, from a very young age, when this is hit into you every single day, what that does is it disincentivizes a lot of people to pursue a good education or at least to to, uh, you know, refuse to present themselves as having a good education in many cases. And we know that governments have failed in public schools, in particular in low income areas. It's nobody's denied that. You know, of course, the other side says more money in those areas is what you need. There is no evidence anywhere in the world that more money works on that. Um, our side says no, create competition among the schools and in schools that do well and cater to students and parents will get more students, which is what we have in this area and it works fairly well for the most part. So you've, you've got different philosophies on this, but some of the things that we have heard are racist, being on time, speaking proper English, math, science, um, English literature, right? just various things in school that have been deemed to be racist things. When in fact, these are the things that would get rid of poverty in most communities. Remember, it's real easy in the United States to get out of poverty. 
You know, I'm not saying that you're going to be well off. That takes extra effort. But if you just don't want to be poor, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes work. But not a whole lot of work. You just got to put in some work. And when you disincentivize people from doing that, you create a permanent subclass. That's the underclass that we talk about. I've told the story to Peterson many, many times. Mr. Peterson, again, first year teacher that I had in high school, U.S. government teacher. And he came into the classroom. He was late one day. We're all sitting there. What's going on? Somebody popped in and said, hey, Mr. Peterson's running behind. He'll be here in a couple minutes. So we all sat, sat put. And we all debated the merits of whether or not it was really a legal law that if your teacher didn't show up five minutes after the bell, you could leave class. <laughs> we all debated that. Um, he came in. He slammed the door shut. He, he taped up the window. He locked the door. And he looked at all of us. And he said, they're not interested in giving you a good education. Now, at this point, we're just dumb teenagers just goofing off. And, and he, he hit us with that. And I'm telling you, you could have heard a pin drop on the carpet in that classroom. You just you didn't get that kind of dissent from a teacher. You didn't get it. And we got it from him. Now, keep in mind, this is the Clark County School District. This is the second largest school district in the entire country. The worst school district in the entire country. But I was at one of good schools. And I was only at one of the good schools because my mom risked going to jail by lying about where we lived. So I'm at this, I'm at this school and Mr. Peterson is there. And he's telling us they want you to be cocktail waitresses, car dealers and casinos, and strippers. That's what they want. They don't want you to get an education. They don't want you to leave town. They don't want you to go to college. They want to get you through high school so they make their money and you go right back into the economy as an underclass. Because in Las Vegas, the underclass feeds the Las Vegas economy. Nobody ever told us that before. And he didn't go into great details about what happened, but he went into some of it. And, and, you know, from the bits that I remember, it was essentially that they did not want to teach students the right stuff. They didn't want to incentivize students from, from, from getting a, a broader, more robust education. They didn't want. And that kind of ties into the stuff that we have seen, particularly in higher academia over the past several years, where they're telling you, particularly the black community now, if you learn to read... If you learn to write, if you learn to properly pronounce words, if you learn, you're gonna you're gonna be betraying your culture, and you will be a puppet of the white man. Well, who in the heck wants to be that? Nobody wants that. So, as a result of that messaging, which originally started at the collegiate level, and I told you was gonna start creeping its way down, is now in not just high schools and junior high schools, but it is in the elementary school level. And I just, this is just another thing that adds on to that. Now this is in Canada, so this is in Ontario, but it shows the same thought process. And the thought process is math is subjective. Where have we heard that before? And used, I'm quoting now, used to normalize racism and marginalization of non-Eurocentric mathematical knowledges. What? And as I've told you before, this, you know, the answer to a math problem is however you feel that day. This sort of logic 
and people are picking up on this. I'm seeing a lot of Gen Zers comment on this. You know, they're the generation dealing with this crap right now. Eventually, you realize that you've got to build bridges. Not figurative bridges, literal bridges. You know, everybody's infrastructure is falling apart, right? Gretchen Whitmer campaigned on that. Hasn't done anything for the infrastructure in the state of Michigan. Not a single thing. Well, how are you going to fix your infrastructure if you got a bunch of people running around who, who disagree on what the math, the answer to a math problem is based on their personal opinion and their feelings that day? Because math is, after all, subjective. And if you get the right answer, all you're doing is normalizing racism and you're marginalizing anybody who isn't white. That's what's being taught to people now. And it's not just in the United States. The disease that is infecting Western culture. It's not okay. Two plus two as an answer. And it isn't whatever the hell you feel. And as I've said before, if you think it is, whatever you want it to be, it's subjective, you know, on Tuesday, yeah. Okay, it's, it's your gender, okay? Math answers aren't fluid, neither is your gender. But hey, they worked around that too, right? If you're going to say that, you're going to have a very difficult time building things. You're going to have a very difficult time coming up with, oh, I don't know, vaccines. You're going to have a very difficult time developing scientific processes that save human lives if the answer to a math problem could be whatever you think it should be. And yet that's what's being taught in ninth grade in Canada. And it's being taught here in elementary school all the way through the collegiate level. And this is continuing to expand throughout the Western world. It is all designed to make the population stupid. And it's sold as something that is going to empower you. Don't you tell the white man 2 plus 2 is 4. You tell him it's whatever you think it is. And if he tells you it's the wrong answer, racist. And it's sold to you. You're standing up to the powers that be. You're standing up to the man. You're empowering yourself. What you're really doing is you're enslaving yourself. Why is it that every society that seeks to oppress uses three tools? They use force, manipulate the media, and they keep people relatively uneducated and uninformed. Why is that? It's almost like it's a formula or something. But formulas, you know, formula of answers. And since answers are subjective, if I'm telling the truth. Coming up next, not only is math racist, but if you believe creationism, congratulations, you're a white supremacist. we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendricks. So, we just got off of another story in which they are teaching that math is racist, this time in Canada. But now let's head over to Scientific American. Uh, for those of you who don't know, don't go to Scientific American for science advice, okay? It's, it's not, it, it's incompatible, right? So anyway, 
In a silly non-scientific op-ed at Scientific American, Allison Harp, uh, Hopper, excuse me, not Harper, that's my daughter's name, Allison Hopper declares that denial of evolution is a form of white supremacy. <laughs> Everything is, look, this is the, the problem with this, you know, and for, for a time, we thought that the argument was getting weak, but what they did, they just, they converted it into 1619, they converted it into microaggression to critical theory and stuff like that. And they're just hitting every aspect of, of kids' culture with this notion that you're automatically bad if you're white. And you're automatically inferior if you're not white, but you're you're inferior really because it's the white man making you inferior. And it's just it's an horrendously infectious and awful thing to get people to believe. So Scientific American writes that basically if you if you believe in creationism, so if you are a Christian among other religions, you're a white supremacist. Now, I will say this, I it is gonna be interesting to see ways in the black community because the black community largely believes in creationism. Very religious group of people in, in that population. Large swaths of the black community are religious. So, how is it going to play out when you're accusing people of believationism as being white supremacists? Large swaths of other races are more religiously devout than white people are as a percentage of their population. That'll be interesting to see. I'll link to this in the daily show prep today at theburningtruth.us. I encourage you to read it. You're going to lose a couple of brain cells, but if you have a couple of beers, you'll have a good time. we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC.